Welcome to There's Just Too Much, the podcast that celebrates and commiserates in our ridiculously overabundant world. And you may have noticed that there haven't been uh, too many episodes of this podcast lately uh, because of work and other kinds of things that I've been busy with, uh, one of which is uh, another podcast that I'll tell you about at the end of the show. Uh, I've had to move the publication of this down to more of a monthly kind of as things come up uh, schedule rather than a strict weekly one, but that's okay because that means I get to cherry pick only the best guests and the best topics. And with E3 concluding last week and every video game professional probably finally having uh, nursed their hangover now to uh, oblivion, uh, I wanted to talk about video games and how there are just too many video games And I couldn't think of a better person to do that than a colleague of mine. We work together at a company called OneHub, but he is also the host of the Chips and Bits podcast. He's Canada's favorite son. Welcome to the show, Matthew Anderson. Matthew, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm flattered. Oh, well, I am. I, you know, you, you host, you've been hosting, how long have you been hosting Chips and Bits? Uh, We've been at that for about five years now. Yeah, so you've 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 got a storied career in podcasting and video game podcasting in particular, which is why I will kick off with this one question, Matt: Are there too many video games? Uh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, there's there's a lot. And why? What makes you say that? You're an avid gamer. You probably play more games than anybody else I know. Uh, more video games. What is it? Just that there's you just like you can't keep up or what are you finding? Uh, I think off the top of my head, I'd say it's probably a combination of just a, a maturing industry and then me getting older. You know, like when video games first hit the scene, just by nature, there were fewer companies making video games. Uh, they weren't as popular, so there wasn't as big a market for them. And so there were just fewer video games out there. And, you know, more specifically, there were definitely only a couple of companies, usually the the actual manufacturers and the main publishers that were creating, you know, what we would now call AAA or blockbuster games. And so every calendar year, there was really only a handful of games that you were really stoked about. Um, You'd you'd mark that date on the calendar and the release was coming out. You'd, you know, you'd set aside a couple of weeks or a couple of days, depending on how aggressively you're going to play it. And then you'd get through them and... Nowadays, that's changed significantly. I mean, there's so much money in video games, and there's so many people playing video games that there's there's a lot of them to play. Um, and then, like I said, the the second side of that is just the nature of you know going from a, a young lad to to a grown man. Uh, I have more responsibilities and less time now. So, at the same time, I'm trying to be more specific about the games that I play. Um, and then there's more of them to play. So yeah, I really got to get picky. Uh, we're going to put a pin in the age thing because I've got you well beat on that. Uh, but that has, cause I used to play, you know, I, I had the Atari 2600 when it came out and oh, nice. you know, there was, that was the console and then came what I think like the Intellivision, but there was always just one thing. I think it's sort of daunting, especially for me as I get older, I guess I'm not going to put a pin in it. I'm just going to talk about it. Like as I get yeah, older, let's do it. Yeah. you don't just go to the GameStop anymore and buy a package like you download them and then you've got the DLC for people who may not understand right now, just sort of it's no longer just buying a cartridge, sticking it in, having the game not work. So you pull it out, blow on it, stick it back in. Uh, you know, it's it's just the act of purchasing a game seems so complicated anymore. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it depends on the approach you take. Uh, there's definitely a lot of people uh, in in my circle of influence that love video games even more than I do. And so 
when even the opportunity arose to to have digital downloads and, and non-physical games, um, not a lot of people jumped on that. You know, they they keep around their old systems, and I was kind of like that. I kept my Sega Genesis up until about maybe four years ago, and still had some of my favorite games just lying around that that I never used. Um, and you know, one day I just decided. I don't, I don't want to have this stuff anymore. I'm never playing these games. I'm not using this hardware. I found somebody that um, was really into that and would take it off my hands and they'd enjoy it. So, so I gave that up. And ever since um, this most recent um, console generation, I've been digital only. So I don't actually have uh, a huge problem these days with the, the acquisition of the games. I either use my PC or my PlayStation and I'm, I download only, I specifically never buy physical discs anymore and it's all just virtual stuff. But I think, but hasn't the model shifted more where you bought a game, that was the game, you played it, right? Mm -hmm. And because it was constrained by the physicalness of it, like there were no other things to download for it. But now, I, am I wrong in thinking that the games are getting, like it's it's not just about the game, but it's getting you into all the downloadable content and extra maps and everything that you can pay for. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, that was that was always a thing when it came to PC gaming. I mean, there's always been you know you had the disc and then you could always go get another disc or you could download some stuff and patch the game and that sort of thing. So uh, it's definitely a lot more prolific. But no, with console games, you're right. I mean, it used to just be you go, you save up the money. You buy the cartridge or the CD-ROM and you go home and, and then you play the game and you're done. Um, and now, you know, there's, there's a lot more into it. But I, I think that's, um, you know, it, it's also just the, the publishers and the game developers, uh, well, and probably their marketing arms, just trying to figure out different pricing models as well. You know, so it's like it's not just the DLC aspect of either fixing or updating an existing game. Uh, all the different video games these days, whether it's on a mobile phone or a PC or a console, have totally different methods of payment. Some of them are free. Some of them are online and you pay a monthly subscription. Some of them you buy, you know, episodes. I mean, it's, it's gotten pretty crazy. Do you do any, I don't, you don't do, you don't ever talk about any kind of mobile games other than maybe some puzzle games every now and again? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much, um, I, I've almost carved out little individual niches for the different uh, uh, platforms that I have. You know, the 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 PC I use mostly for um, you know games that are super high fidelity, where you know graphics uh, and the, the that sort of stuff is really more important for the game. Um, the PlayStation Pro I'll use obviously for any of the um, proprietary titles that are only coming out on that system. But then also when I want to kind of do um, sort of some online friends, multiplayer stuff. Uh, and a lot of the um, indie developers are, are putting their stuff on consoles these days too. So it's more of a, like when I want to pick up and play something quick. And then for if something even more quick, uh, pretty much these days only limited to uh, the New York Times crossword uh, puzzles and that sort of thing. Then I'll, then I'll play on my phone every once in a while. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not super heavy into any of the you know, hugely expansive Farmville, you know, super big mobile games. It's mostly just puzzles and, and breaker apps and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I worked at Kabam and I loved my experience right, there and man. working with all those people. They were truly phenomenal, but the free to play model, which is, you know, predominantly for a lot of mobile games. And it seems like it's seeping into console games. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that, 
But it just drives me crazy because I feel like you can't simultaneously try to create a game that's as fun as it can be while trying to get people to pay as much money as you can get out of them. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So that's that's me saying get off of my lawn, basically. That's, <laughs> that's me being an old man. Hey, you uh, didn't want to talk about age, but okay. <laughs> oh, dude, trust me. I, <laughs> I'm totally fine with being old. Uh, but, you know, it, the other thing, as... As you get older, also what I've noticed, so one of the most popular games right now is Overwatch. Mm -hmm. And I've talked with you about this. The thing that drives me crazy is there is no single player mode for that. Uh, Right. And that was the same with Titanfall 2, right? Which was another popular sort of mech battling game. Uh, is, Is there a trend going towards only multiplayer or is that just because those games are just sort of outliers and there's still a healthy mix of... Here's where it seems to be. So... I love playing video games, but they're either the games I want to play are either like online multiplayer only, or I can't just play with my friends online, or they're so deep and complex with like skill trees that I'm just like, I have no idea what, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's no longer just run, you know, shoot, run through a maze or whatever. There's all these other things that you have to keep track of. Uh, is, is that too reductive of me? Uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's reductive. It's, 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 I would argue that it's, it's a result of exactly, you know, what you want to talk about on this podcast. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is there are so many video games these days that there is more than likely, uh, a, a video game out there on each platform in every genre of every type. That's exactly the kind of game that you, Chris Albrecht are looking for, you know, but, um, the downside is that there's so many games out there. You have to sift through quite a few of them to find that particular gem that you know suits your your playstyle and your preference uh, exactly the way you like it. Um, there's there's certainly a lot of trends uh, in game design these days, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that all of them are moving towards single player or multiplayer only or vice versa. I mean, each the, the really good um, uh, game companies out there um, that that I respect and of their games that I play, they they're trying to create the best game that they can possibly create. And if they're doing it right, then every once in a while, it's the type of game that only needs a single player or only needs a multiplayer. Um, I, you know, personally, it's a little bit of a tangent, but um, there was a little bit of a, an in-between state there where because multiplayer games were kind of new and they were getting big, there were a lot of um, companies that were forcing these multiplayer modes into what traditionally would have been a single player game. Uh, and that always bothered me a little bit because, you know, I, I wasn't one of those people that struggled with the amount of money I was spending on a game and needed a multiplayer component to somehow justify the amount I was spending on it. Right. So I, I just wanted a really good story or whatever it might be. So, um, I, I much prefer, um, the approach that it seems like is starting to, um, develop, which is that if the person and the team creating that game has determined that it's, it's a multiplayer game at its core, then there's not necessarily a need to put a single player component in it and vice versa. So let's talk about that actually for a second. You mentioned the word story. Do you care about the story in video games? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's one that's been like a stellar example of just like a fantastic story for you? Well, we just talked about horizon. We just, we glimpsed on that horizon uh, zero dawn is a a recent title uh, with one of the most, uh, compelling layers on top of, you know, very typical trope storytelling that I've played in a long time. It was, they did a really interesting job with it. Um, 
and it, it, it drove the whole game. Like the, the characters and the narrative that they put into that uh, made it so that, you know, the 50 hours, as you and I just discussed, didn't really feel like 50 hours when I was playing it. I mean, I, I enjoyed every minute of it from the time that I started to the time that it ended. And there are many things that can do that for me in a video game, but story is certainly one of the most uh, powerful ways to do that. Yeah, I just always felt like cutscenes were something that I just, you know, was able to grab a drink real quick. Uh, or something before, <laughs> sure. yeah. you know, before getting back to it. Sounds uh, like you may have been playing too many Square Enix games. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they, is that the one who made Gears of War? Or No, I guess no, that's... No, uh, they're, the, they're the Final, Final Fantasy. F- yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Among others. I mean, I don't want to say they've only done Final Fantasy, just they're known for the cutscenes for sure. So in addition to story, what's a, what is a game you really like right now? Uh, so... I mean, again, not to beat a dead horse, but the 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 game that has most surprised me, um, purely because it's a game I typically would not spend any amount of time playing, let alone many many hours playing, uh, is one you also already mentioned, and that's Overwatch. Um, I usually am not drawn to, you know, multiplayer, first person shooter style games, um, and they came up with a way to combine all the different game mechanics and add just enough new here and there uh, and really create this compelling uh, quick battle system that you can get in so many games in in a single play session uh, and all of them even I think the best way that I could articulate what um, what was different about Overwatch as a quote-unquote shooter game is that every other game I played up until that point you really only wanted to win like if you lost it really sucked. Uh, there, there was no benefit to losing. And uh, everything that uh, Blizzard put into the Overwatch mechanics from the different uh, t- timing elements around if you die, how you respawn, the fact that uh, it's mostly about balancing your team and coming up with a, a, a match of characters that can um, overpower the other team's match of characters. You kind of have to get to know their skill set and play off of each other. And every time you die in battle, you can switch those characters on the fly. So you're constantly adjusting your, your team like a, like a chess match. Uh, all of these little things they put together into this really cohesive package. And from the time that I started playing it, I mean, any time I can get back to that game and play it when I don't have uh, you know, a game on the slate to get done for the podcast, uh, I find myself gravitating back towards that one fairly frequently. Do you find, though, so not to make this a running theme, so you know, I'm older than you. And the idea of playing that game just is daunting to me. You, you know, you are younger than me, but you are not like 20 years old. Is it, is the matching good enough in that game to where you are? I mean, as the way I understand it, like you can't just put together, can you put together your own team or are you just always matched with random people? Both. Yeah, you can do both. Okay. Uh, so you would need, all right. So, but it's not, I just imagine multiplayer, the times that I've played them, like in Red Dead Redemption or Call of Duty or whatever, we were in a public match. Like I just instantly got, I felt like someone blasted my head off from across Mm -hmm. the valley. And I was like, well, I, this is not fun. And, (laughs) you know, as, as you get older, your reflexes aren't as fast and, you know, you just, it doesn't work. So, you know, Overwatch is a game that I and it also, you, I mean, one thing you didn't say is that it looks beautiful. Like, it's got its own style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a real, it strikes just a really great um, balance between sort of playfulness and enough, like, there's enough traction to where you can really get a grip on it and, ha- you know, go deep with it. Mm-hmm. 
so, you know, that game, it just looks amazing. But just the whole online multiplayer portion of it just makes me go like, eh, you know, I, I just don't want to die over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it feels like I should start by saying uh, I I certainly would never want to work on matchmaking for a game company. I mean, I think that that, that problem uh, scope in and of itself is just such a daunting task. Uh, I can't imagine trying to be the person that's supposed to balance and create the matchmaking systems in online games. Um, so it's, it's, it's always problematic no matter which game you're playing. Um, so it, it would just depend. You know, it's like uh, when you're starting out, like if you wanted to give a, a game like Overwatch a try, um, you know, you, depending on who you talk to, I mean, in my opinion, you're, you're almost best to start uh, either with just one friend um, that you know is totally cool with just playing really crappy games with you and watching you die over and over again and kind of have you get your feet wet and, and learn some of the, the game mechanics. Uh, and they're cool to do that with you and kind of like shepherd you through the leveling up process um, or to just go at it, you know, by yourself. Cause the, the, the core tenant of any matchmaking service and specifically how a game like overwatch works is that they try and um, pair you up with people that are going to be relatively close to your, to your skill set. So if you're just starting out and you're level one, then yes, there may be other people who are absolute professional uh, first person shooter players that, happen to just be playing overwatch for the first time along with you and and you'll get you'll you'll get stomped but for the most part um it's going to be people you know just like you for the first little while that they're leveling you know up with you at the same time and you're learning things as they're learning things uh and you can you can fail a lot and uh and level up that way um but you know yeah if you were on the fence about giving it a try or not uh, of, of all the games i've played like i said it's it's actually fun to die in overwatch and it feels funny to say that but they just did a really good job of making it, uh, it compelling to just be in the game in general, whether you're winning, losing, uh, dying, or living. It's, uh, they did a good job. So, Matt, uh, E3 happened in Los Angeles last week. That's like the big video game uh, convention conference thing where everybody shows off all the upcoming titles for the year. What excited you out of this year's E3? Yes, that's a huge question. Uh, there were absolutely a ton of games that everybody showed off at E3. Um, I think, why don't I start with the game that surprised me the most? Um, and that would have to be the, the new Spider-Man game that I saw a trailer for. Um, that game, I mean, came out of nowhere. I didn't even know they were working on a new Spider-Man game. There have been so many of them. Uh, and also, they've all been terrible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, for so many years now, if you're familiar with the, um, you know, the, the Batman franchise, uh, that's been going strong for the last couple of years, uh, and, and really well respected and loved, uh, there've been plenty of us playing the Batman games that have been thinking they should just give, you know, every superhero to this game company and have them make really great, you know, superhero games. That's, that's the Arkham things... Asylum games, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, it just, it was the first time you'd ever really played a superhero game that you really felt like that superhero that you were playing. Like you really felt like that's what it would be like to play as Batman. Um, and, and to a certain extent, now I know it's just a trailer, but that's the first time I've ever seen a Spider-Man trailer and thought, wow, it looks like what Spider-Man would do. It looks like you're playing as, as Spider-Man. Um, it looks like it's got a legitimate combat system and really cool maneuvering and not too many um, cutscenes and lots of action. I mean, it's just, I was I was pretty impressed that that game looks uh, that game looks good. Uh, let's see what else off the top of my head. Uh, I what I wasn't uh, I wasn't as surprised because I knew that something was coming. Uh, 
But Bioware also showed off their their new IP, uh, well, Anthem. Anthem is the name of it. Um, and it uh, it's inter- it looks interesting. Uh, it looks very similar uh, to what I saw to something like a Destiny, where it's an online world that you join up with your friends. There's kind of random events that take place, and you fly around the planet. They have jetpacks. Seems to be a theme these days. Always a winner. Why. Yeah, jetpacks in, in all the games. Uh, yeah, just a really it looks like a pretty well realized world. Bioware's always been great at that. They the Mass Effect series that they created still arguably probably one of my favorite franchises of all time. Um, and it, you know they could have a hit on their hands with that one. We'll see if uh, they can handle any of the gripes that I had with with Destiny and come up with something that uh, I might really be into playing. Hopefully they got all the letters you wrote. Yes, I mean since day one, I've just been we've been pen pals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two quick things. One VR. Sure. I didn't see. I saw some stuff coming out about VR. Are, is VR a fad in gaming, or do you think that that's like legit going to be the future of gaming? Uh, that's hard to tell. I mean, I think VR is definitely not a fad. Uh, I've certainly played around with it enough and seen enough implications that I, I think. If anything, at, at the bare minimum, gaming will be the catalyst for VR. You know, that's going to be the thing that that demonstrates enough creativity to people that aren't creative enough to to think of amazing ideas. That it shows them all the things that are they're capable with with virtual reality. That's not just a toy, right? Um, but I I have to say uh, I've been pretty impressed with my experience so far. I've only tried it a couple of times, uh, and and I knew that the technology behind it going into it and i was super skeptical especially based on my previous experience with anything close to what people would call vr and um so it's hard i went in with high expectations but also tempered expectations and some of the stuff i've tried so far just literally literally blows me away i I can't i can't understand like your brain almost can't make sense of why it feels so real when you try something that someone spent a lot of time on and it works really well um so i mean i'm definitely Moving closer to the side of it, it's it's the next big thing. Uh, still waiting, you know, for for the right thing that convinces me that I should go out and buy my own VR system because you know they're still pretty expensive and it's a pretty big commitment. But I'm right there. I'm wait. I'm waiting for the thing that's going to convince me to, to buy it. I, I think it's pretty cool. Right on. Last question. We've talked a lot about how there's a lot of video game stuff and consoles and everything. What do you reckon? I guess this is a tough question to answer, but let's say we're just taking a median gamer and that just, you know, somebody who's maybe fallen out of it for a while or somebody old like me that wants to get into it. What kind of, what do you recommend for them? Understanding that there are a wide range of tastes and things that people like, but which system do you think they should go for? What, you know, is there any sort of just base kind of things they could do just to sort of dabble back into it? Sure. Um, I mean, if you're going to start dipping your toes into it, um, then as much as I'd like to recommend it, I'd probably say you still want to stay away from PC games for now. Uh, you know, having a computer, building a computer, having to run Windows on it, it's a lot better than it used to be. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't have anywhere near the headaches that I used to have, but it's very expensive. Um, keeping up on the technology, you know, you got to do it if you want to play the latest games. Um, and, and there's just a lot more that's required in order for you to do it. So I, I would definitely say you want to go the console route. That's where you want to start. Um, and then, you know, from there, it kind of depends on 
you have to know yourself and you kind of have to know what you think. You, you have to go out on a limb and guess what, what, are the, what are the types of things that I either think I would be interested in or do I think that I want to play? If you want, you know, really storied franchise with popular characters and stuff that has, uh, you know, interesting mechanics and lots of kids games, maybe you want to look at the Nintendo Switch. Um, I don't have one, but I've played it a couple of times and it's, uh, Nintendo's definitely hitting home runs again with that with that console. It's it's really well done. Um, and then if you think you're going to be a little bit more, you know, I want to try out some of these uh, kind of bigger budget blockbuster titles, a lot more, um, you know, higher fidelity graphics, uh, you know, more multiplayer driven games where I can meet up with my friends and I can and have have the online component and play with them. Then you know you want to look at either the, the Xbox One or the, or the PlayStation Four. Um, we can certainly go down the path of whether I think the PlayStation 4 is better than the Xbox if you want, or we can just leave it there and let people make up their own decisions. No, sit, put, that, put that flag in the ground. Uh, I'd I, I go PlayStation all the way. Uh, I've had definitely more than enough problems uh, and gripes with the state of both the hardware and the software on the, the Xbox uh, this generation. Uh, and to be fair, you know, I was, I was a PlayStation 2 guy all the way, got the Xbox, didn't really like it, um, so I, I was PlayStation and then in the subsequent generation, Xbox 360 was a much better platform and a much better, uh, piece of hardware than the PlayStation three. So I never really used my PlayStation three and I loved my Xbox 360, uh, and roles reversed again with this, this current generation. Um, they did just announce the Xbox one X, X, whatever, how many X's it's got at E3. <laughs> um, so they've got some, some new hardware out there to consider, but again, you know, they, They'd have to throw the kitchen sink um, at me at this point uh, for a hundred dollars more than what the the PS4 Pro costs, um, but that's a tough sell. So e- even if you're going you know hardcore and you've got a brand new 4K television with HDR capabilities and you want to buy a PS4 Pro, um, I'd recommend that or the standard you know PlayStation 4 if, if you're going to try and get into some video games these days. And like we're talking about, there's a lot of them, so you shouldn't have any problem finding some game whether it's a really quick pickup indie platformer game or whether it's a triple a 50 hour game like horizon i mean there's tons of stuff out there for almost every taste and that is a great place to end this episode matt if people want to find you online where can they find you you can find me on twitter handle is at wandering matt or you can find me at chips and bits chips dash and dash bits.com that is your video game podcast which also comes out just sort of monthly right Yep, it's first Monday of every month. Fantastic. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. This has been There's Just Too Much. You can find us online at toomuchpod.com or on Twitter at toomuchpod. Uh, we'll be back, I don't know when, probably next month with another episode of this. But until then, you can also catch me on the Architect AI show. It's a show we put together about artificial intelligence and robots and how those will work together to shape and change our future, much like VR only bigger I don't know anyway thanks for listening everybody have a great day thank you Matt I appreciate it thank you